The Comedy Store would like you to know that the views and opinions expressed on this podcast are strictly those of the speakers or authors and do not necessarily reflect or represent the views and opinions held by the Comedy Store and its affiliates. Welcome to the Comedy Store Podcast, guys. Uh, Eleanor is currently at uh, Skankfest in Houston. I'm sure uh, hijinks is ensuing down there, but I got Is there really something called Skankfest? Or it is, is just... yeah. What's the premise of that? Uh, it's it's a podcast. And why would somebody participate with that? It's a, it's a very popular um, East Coast podcast comedy network. Oh, uh, Skank Network? Yeah. I, it's called, I can't remember what the actual name is, but they, they run shows under the Skank, Skank Fest uh, name. It's like Big J Okerson. But, but, and, but doesn't that tell you that your audience is not intelligent? Well, yeah. But right from the get-go. That's who they're going for, I think. Well, I, well, by the way, a lot of people do that in their work, whether it's music, anything. Yeah. They appeal to the mass idiots. Yeah. And to me, if a skank fest, you say, you're going to come? Uh, let's say I'm invited. Or let's say they offer me a lot of money. I'm not playing skank fest. Yeah. I don't want my name associated with skank fest. Yeah. Even to say I walked down the block in the theater that was hosting skank fest, <laughs> I would walk on the other side <laughs> of the street and make a point of that. Yeah, they uh, they're very popular with like that kind of Joe Idiots. Rogan bro, yeah, kind of alpha male thing. Okay, well, there's enjoy. there's some good. Well, a lot of those guys out of it. would use the word skank. I've yeah. never, I don't even say tit. Okay, I say breasts. Maybe if I even refer to them. Yeah, those things. That, yeah, that's see, that's I'm even a big safer. fan of those things. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Hey, those are nice. But those those are nice. Those things. Yeah. So, I just don't, I don't get it. You know, I was. Um, Accused recently, I've been going through some stuff okay. with uh, Sony HR while working on the Goldbergs. Really absurd stuff. And someone said that I talked about all the pussy that I was getting. Now, anyone who knows me knows I don't talk like that. So either I was telling a story of someone saying that to me or I was doing a bit making fun of a guy who would use that word in a, right. you know. In the aggressive. Yeah. Yeah, I've never. So it's like. Um, I've never heard you go with the. No, I don't do that. The On stage or off stage. <laughs> yeah. Off stage, you know. I remember here sitting with a group of comics before the back bar when the, uh, remember the booth that yeah. used to be back there? Yeah, yeah. Sitting with a bunch of comics back there. And I, I, I remember a few of them who they were. You weren't there. It was like maybe a half dozen of us. I was the only one of the group that, and I'm not painting myself to be a hero, mind you. I was just <laughs> confused by this. Um, who cared whether a woman had an orgasm or was enjoying sex, that all of them were just about getting off. Unless they were in love with the woman. Sure. But in general, just I got to get off get and in that's there. all I give a shit yeah. about. And I thought, unless a woman's really digging it. I'm I'm not into it. Yeah, that's a weird situation in oh, general. Oh, and I was the only one. I was also the only one, mind you, and I'm not a hairy guy, but who hadn't shaved everywhere down there, like everyone else had but me. Yeah. And I thought, uh, well, what are you shaving? Yeah. Now, if you've got a festival of hair. Sure. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Or if you have a girlfriend who goes, you're a bit too hairy for me. Cut it down. Whatever you want to do. Take go, it to street level. Go to town. Yeah. You know, but on your own, just deciding, looking in the mirror and going, yeah, I need to be groomed. All right, whatever. I, I think it's a, yeah, I mean, uh, I've I've heard the same argument being made that you got to take it down. I'm guessing uh, for some dudes, it's a makes it look bigger 
if there's not a bush Maybe, it's emerging but that's a from. little too much thought yeah Unless yeah. you've got issues with your, I love saying wiener. See, that's, I don't even say penis <laughs> or dick. I say wiener. Wiener is one of my favorite words. It's a great word. But if you're concerned about the size, you, I mean, we all are at one point in our young man's life. But as time goes on, you're either comfortable with it or you're not, and you're either using it to its best abilities or you're not. Exactly right. But if you're worried about it in your 30s or 40s, I'm in my 50s now, um, you really, man, that's a festival, of, uh, you know. I remember one time uh, I was talking to you about something, and then uh, you left, and then someone was like, hey, uh, was Gar- did Garland ask you about pubes? And I go, what? Are you being totally serious? I swear to God. And I go, what? And they go, yeah, he, he asked us about whether we shaved... No, (laughs) no, no. It was a group conversation. I could give a shit if someone shaves. It was people were talking about it. Yeah. And and uh, I may have said at that point, you guys shave like that. But the garland as if I'm walking around here with pube questions. It was one of those things too where I'm like they just assumed like, well, I saw him talking to Rick. I can only be one pube thing. Talk. He's obvious. They're well, obviously by the way, you talk. and I love. By the way, the name of the show was originally Pube Talk. Yep. And the comedy <laughs> store correct. said it really doesn't promote us. No one puts the two together. Yeah, and it, it unless it's a weird Jeff thing. Garland's here, then everyone assumes it's Pube Talk. Obviously, at that point, we know yeah, it's, so it's going straight to the pubes. I love that they asked a young comic. Yeah, I go no, I, he didn't. He didn't oh, bring it up shit. at all. Why? And they said, oh, we, there was, we were having a conversation, and I'm like, oh, okay. And then it was just, after that, then it was what just uncomfortable talking to that had, person. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. But, well, of course it is. <laughs> like, I want to ask you about pubes. No. Then I felt. All right, can I just stand around you? And <laughs> is, that, is this going to be weird now? Is this going to be weird now? Then I thought, you know what? Maybe Garland doesn't like me if he's not asking me about my pubes. Well, by the way, that will be the thing. You take offense <laughs> to it. What, my pubes aren't good enough? So yeah. you don't care about my right. my crotch hair? This is right. bullshit. Uh, I've been talking about this a lot lately. Water. The club's got to be. Is Thurster just a, a reverse osmosis bullshit? It's got to be just tap water. It's, that not, they... it's not. Well, yeah, I mean, anyone who's thirsty yeah. can get their thirster on with any water. A lot of times they have arrowhead, but when they have oh, thirster. Watch, also just, yeah. it's. I walk in the back and I go, I'm a thurster man, so I'm glad I'm we were thurster man. tonight. Yeah. Natural Can you make this a commercial? Thirst. Brad Pitt. <laughs> thirster. Get thirster. Yeah. Man, I just watched uh, uh, True Romance for the first time in a very long time. Oh, very long time. I was going to say, wow, first yeah. time. Yeah, um, first time. That's a delightful movie. Yeah, I hadn't seen it in uh, maybe 20 years Does it something. hold up? I saw it about 10 years ago yeah. last time. Uh, I, it was, I, I found it very entertaining. It's I very, thought it was very entertaining, yeah. very interesting. Um, you know, uh, it's Tarantino writing, so right, yeah. it's, it's very strong in terms of the combination of dialogue and right. action going on. Right. Obviously, parts of it are absurd, but... Right. For what it for what it is, I well, thought by it was the way, great. I love, for example, I love, I, I have a lot of a lot of the Criterion collection, and I have the Criterion yeah. so I love a lot of foreign movies subtitled. But I also love, give me a great Liam Neeson movie. When I say great, just filled with action and shit. I'm ready. Yeah. Let's yeah. go, Liam Neeson. Yeah, you know, I um, yeah, I love things that are fun. You know, what's not fun? Marvel movies. Okay. And here I am in public saying it. Gonna yeah, I mean, squash. I don't have much interest in being in one unless it was something great. There, there are some 
titles that I if they did it. But man, every time I see one, and now there've been a few good ones that I've enjoyed, but in general, they follow a formula and it's not fun for me. Yeah. And I'm a guy by the way, I want to go on record, I collect comic books. I okay. love comic books. I have a million Avengers, but getting me to watch an Avengers movie is painful. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I watched most of them. I don't think I saw all of them, but... Black Panther's really good. Yeah. Deadpool, even though it's not part of the Marvel Universe, is great. Very entertaining, yeah. Yeah, you know, so I enjoy some good ones, but... And I love the original Batman ones, not the original... Well, I love the original with Adam West. Um, Classic. And, and the Michael Keaton ones were very entertaining. Yeah, the, the Tim, Tim Burton, Burton ones, yeah. yeah. And then... Um, what what's his name's uh you know the, the Christian Bale Christian Bale yeah the Dark Knights yeah, the Dark trilogy Ma- was yeah, great yeah I enjoyed those especially the first one I loved it yeah yeah and the the um the third one of the Christian Bale Batman's kind of went off the rails for it, me it did quite a bit and yes. I I understand that there was originally uh you know supposed to be some Joker related stuff uh, in there. stuff in there uh, and yeah. he died I, and yeah they, it just it just wasn't but even though it went off it was still yeah, really enjoyable. I, 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 I yeah, really dug I'd, it. I'd watch know? it if it was on TV. The first one, though, for me, it really, I, I, I dig on a bigger level. That's the one with Scarecrow? Uh, is Scarecrow in that one? I think for a bit. He's not heavy in it. Um, Liam Neeson plays Raja Ghoul. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, that's right. And then they bring him... No, they don't bring him back. They bring his daughter back in the yes, third well, one. That's she's how they in the tie together. Books. Yeah. She's in the comic books, and I think Batman almost marries her or marries her in the comic books. Right. Yeah, it's a good. I, lo- I love that stuff. So when I say I don't like something like that, I'm talking from someone who likes that type of stuff. Right. Like, I can separate artistry. Like, you know, um, uh, what's-his-name was slammed. Uh, um, uh, my, my, my brain, I have all his movies in my head, Goodfellas, <laughs> Scorsese. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was slammed for saying... But he's right. Those are commercial. By the way, just because a movie's artistic doesn't mean it shouldn't be entertaining. And vice versa, just because a movie's entertaining and made for masses doesn't mean it shouldn't be artistic. But I don't see the artistry. Yeah. I don't. Except for the costume department, the, yeah, pe- the acting. Effects and, but yeah. the acting is good. Yeah. You know, it's really just this. It's bloatedness. Which, by the way, I hate in comedy. I hate, I, and I, I can't even remember what was the last great comedy. That's where we should really be talking about what was the last great comedy. Because we don't make great comedies anymore. No, they knowledge. don't, and especially in movies. It, yeah, I'm it, trying like, to think. The the generations that are just younger than me, they don't even respect movies as a platform. Right, I agree with you. Which is very bizarre. Cause yeah, well, that's what I grew up loving and wanting. Right. Like TV is awesome, but. Right. You know, like I'm never. Uh, it's going to be tough for me to watch anything that's like just a standard sitcom, right? Um, oh, unless it's yes, you, you can call it standard because of the form. But what are they doing with the form? Because you can do interesting things with a multi-camera sure. thing if the characters are interesting and Developed well written and, yeah. and it's well directed and it moves nicely. Sure, yeah. yeah. And I mean the. The television that I do enjoy feel like movies to right. me. It, uh, the, my next project, not in terms of as a producer, I've got something that is being sold right now, but my next one that I'm going to be acting in is actually based on a show from Iceland. And it's really 
like a movie. Yeah. It's a movie, and but it'll be divvied up amongst seven episodes. Right. And it's really rich, and I'm going to rewrite it so it'll move a little bit more. In Iceland, they're, I think, a little more patient. I yeah. don't know why. I guess when you walk to work in that weather, you're, <laughs> um, you said, We got time with this. Yeah, but that's the next thing that, that I'm doing on camera TV-wise in terms of a series. And I'll still do Curb. I don't want people to watch and think. Right. He's Curb. out. Yeah. yeah. Garland said no more. Yeah, but Which I'm retired. The... After this season, I'm retired from the Goldbergs. Is that right? I'm announcing it on your show. Nice. This is my last season. Whether the, I don't think there'll be any more, but if there is, it will be without. I shouldn't say that. Eh, I'll have some real hard line stuff right. in order for me to come back. Right. How but many seasons have there been now? Uh, eight, nine? Yeah, that's ten? what I was going to say. It's got to be. I can't remember. A lot of seasons, it's, Steve. I'm, I'm incredibly lucky to have both Goldbergs and Curb be successful. Yeah. And different audiences. Yeah, yeah. That's, the, yeah. that's what I'm thinking because yeah. Curb to me is like one of the greatest of all time. Well, I don't know that you. I've ever. You would the Goldberg's like, is not it's like a family thing, yeah. Well, it's not a no. It's just it's warm, it's delightful. It really is, yeah. Very mainstream, but a lot of people love it, and I understand. You know, there's things that are successful. You go, I don't get why people like that. Yeah, I get why people dig the Goldberg's. It's just not for me. I'm proud to be on it. Right. Proud to do it. It's not for me. I wouldn't. I only watch the show when someone tells me you should watch that episode. I think I've seen. In the nine years, a half dozen episodes. Okay. I'm there doing it. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't, Curb, by the way, I only watch because I'm one of the producers. I only watch as we are editing it. Like I get cuts. Sure. I don't watch it when it airs. Yeah. I and mean, I might if I'm excited or whatever. Uh, yes. Yeah, certainly. But episode. in general, well, by the way, I, I love the show. I'd be a fan of the show if I wasn't on it, but. You can't really be a fan of a show you're on. It's kind of yeah. That's uh, it. Does seem weird. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. Just yeah. Like, oh, every I, but I'm very proud of it. You know, very yeah, proud. It's of it. it's one of the most and entertaining kicking, shows I've ever we're watched. We're kicking ass this season. I'm very happy people are digging it. The uh, the last episode, uh, I was dying laughing. I was I watched with my wife, and uh-huh. she was some of what some of what Larry did and said in the last episode. He is so despicably lovable. Right. I was just like, this is so fucking great. Oh, it's so. There's amazing. gotta be. There's gotta be. Uh, that certain sect of like really woke people that are just like, no, there aren't. You want to hear the amazing thing about Curb? You can have, I don't care what color your skin is, what your sexual orientation, what your political affiliation is. I get nice things said about the show from transitioning people from Trumpers, black, white, Asian, doesn't matter. People love that there's something irreverent. And not irreverent, I don't think on Curb that we, our targets, I feel, are noble. So even though we we address everything, we don't necessarily attack everything. Yeah, I agree. And so... That's what I'm saying. We had that whole Trump thing. People mistake the Harvey yeah. Weinstein and the Weinstein and the Trump. People, I mean, I'm talking about right wing people that I know or met, loved it. By the way, you know who loves the show? Orthodox Jews love it. Huh? Okay. Yeah, I swear. I mean, I, I, every type of person has come up to me on that. So in terms of the woke culture, which by the way, I hate that term. I like being woke. I think everyone should be aware. The thing that w- I think we got the, I think we should call ourselves the oversensitive. Yeah. It's like everyone should be aware. Every comedian 
could have noble targets. But I agree. You can, but it's free. It's it's truly free speech with the description of the job. So if you don't like it, don't watch. But I like to personally, if I'm going to go after anyone, they deserve it in my eyes. And they just, I'll give you the best example of not in stamp on curb. Uh, the premise of um, uh, was it two seasons ago? I don't remember the one with the coffee shop. Yeah, Larry goes into a coffee shop. He doesn't like the way he's treated, and he leaves going, "I wish I could do something to this yeah, place, yeah. this person." Get paid. Besides, back. never coming back. Sure. And everyone feels that way. Yeah. That's why it's universal. And he said, "Fuck it, I'm going to open a store next, next door, door. Yeah. that's going to do everything he does, but better." Right. The Spite Store. Yeah. And I love that. And that was universal. And even the target was a small business. He was treated poorly. Yeah. And he fought. So it's like I just when you choose your targets, I feel be aware of people. Be with. Yeah. Uh, And by the way, everything is open to me. It's not even like I'm saying you can't make fun of that or you can't talk about that. But you got to have a good point. Yeah. I feel like for for me, comedy has always been mock Anything and everything that deserves, deserves to be it, yeah. that deserves it to be mocked, yeah, without a doubt, and that can be anything, anything, literally anything, yeah. Like and my, so, my old the old building manager at my um, where I used to live was this super shitty, creepy dude, and at some point he transitioned, and I I would talk about it on stage, and then people would get so uncomfortable right and i in no way was mocking the fact that he but is way, trans but, but by the way isn't it, you see my reaction yeah because i always think and i'm not talking about prostitutes what have you but i, I and the, i hope the trans community likes what i'm about to say i always think that if someone's in touch with themselves and they make such a brave choice that they're kind of enlightened. I, yeah. I wouldn't picture a creepy janitor going, I'm a woman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I just don't picture that. I picture someone with way more sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's one of those things where uh, I, I guess I look at it like you can mock a person for being right. a shitty person. Right. No matter right. what they are. Right. Whether they're trans, whether they're black, right. whether they're fat, whether they're whatever right. it is. If they're a shitty person, then mock the fact that they're a shitty person. Right. And so that's what my bit on stage was about, was just like, what a piece of shit this was. Yep. And you would just see the crowd. And it took me a couple months before I figured out you How know, to kind do of it. the way to do it to right. where right. But they that's, were on that's, board. But see, that's the thing that people have to give comedians. Let us find our voices. Let us find our where we're going with it. Now, if it's already on a special, that's supposed to be a finished product. But also, here's the other problem. We work in a business where most people suck. Yeah. Most comedians suck. Yeah, 98, Uh, 99%. Suck. Yeah. Suck, 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 suck. Yeah. And so they're going to say things that will create – actually, no one's going to get – well, maybe someone will get excited – but they're not going to be seen for the most part. The only way you can break through as a sucky comic is if you've got some sort of charismatic charismatic quality or you're really attractive. Good looking, And you pull, yeah. off, pull off something. But it's so strange to – like you can be – let's say you're a dentist. Sure, some dentists suck. 
Not even half. Yeah. Not even half. Right. And then how many are great? Yeah, maybe a smaller amount. But we work in an industry where if you've got 100 comics randomly, yeah. maybe you're lucky six. Have, yeah, I was going to say, you're lucky to have five or six. So. Yeah, maybe six are really good where yeah. you go, I, that guy makes me laugh, or that woman makes me laugh, or that whatever you yeah. I want to just do the thing, yeah. or whatever you clarify yourself right. as, but, which is the truth, by the way. If you're funny, you're funny. It doesn't matter, you know, man, woman, whatever. And I look at it like, I would say if you just select a random hundred, I would say five of them are, I'm going to go, wow, that was really funny. Yeah. And I would say 15 of them, I'm going to go, that was a professional. They, well, by the way, what people do, totally different thing. Yeah. What people do, that small percentage outside of who's actually funny, is they've learned to use the craft. Yeah. I don't craft is always the the spine behind what I do, but I I I I feel like what I do is artistry, art artistic. Sure. And then I go to the craft when the audience isn't digging me, because that's all I've got, and I've learned that I've been doing this for thirty nine years. That's where I go to the craft. So there is a percentage that learns the craft and puts the work in, and you know what. You did a good job. Yeah. I got to tell you, it didn't make me laugh, but I watched you and you had my respect the whole time. That's exactly That's how I look at other, it. That's the other, out of the first five, out of the next, you know, The next 20, tier, yeah. Is, is that, and then after that, it's, it's just varying degrees yeah. to, to <laughs> making you want to throw up. Yeah. I used to get depressed. I'd come here, any of the clubs. Yeah. By the way, there's crappy comics at every club in America. Yep. So- the comedy store is no different than Caroline's in New York, the improv. It doesn't matter. There are crappy. You, who are paying attention to this, have seen your share if you love comedy. Yeah. If you're listening to the Comedy Store podcast, you've seen you're into, your share. Yeah, you're into comedy. You're into comedy, so you've seen your share of crappy ass. But some people just, it's not even enough that they're not funny. They insult me as a human being. And I think, oh, my God. Yeah. I, wow. I, I'm getting better about not getting furious, <laughs> but <laughs> there was. I understand that. By there was the way. a there was a time when I would be here, and I didn't get, I didn't get good stage time, and I didn't get a lot of stage time. Right. But I would be here because I didn't have anywhere else to go. Right. And I would be watching comedy, and it would make me so mad. Not just that some of these people were getting stage time, but that these people think. They should be a comedian. Oh, yeah. We were just talking about Yeah. One. Oh, I'm just like, yeah, I, uh, I go, what? How is this? Who convinced you to do this? Well, yeah, I mean, who encouraged you? Who told you? But then also on the flip side, what is the motivation? Is the booker trying to get laid? Is the booker friends with this person? Does the booker have a skewed sense of what's funny? There are all these reasons as yeah. to why they're up there. Endless. It's never someone with good taste yeah. who's going, fuck yeah. Well, and like the person, I don't think they booked the improv anymore. I don't even know who books it. But someone who used to book at the improv would come here sometimes, and I would have a great set. And then she would come up to me and she'd be like, oh, my God, that was so funny. You crushed. That was so great. And I'd be like, thanks. Then she'd be like, you should uh, call in your avails. And I'd be like, I By do. <laughs> she still does. And and it's actually something that I've heard a lot. I love her. Mm-hmm. And I have always had a great relationship with her, and I don't feel that she plays up to me. But, yeah, you know, um, what's the famous? Dorothy Parker said of Hollywood, it's the only place where you can die of encouragement. <laughs> Which is So I go into meetings to pitch shows, to pitch movies. You leave there thinking, all right, we did it. Yeah, it was great. And nope, 
Nope. Yeah. You know, they won't even call back. Uh, they'll just let it die. Um, yeah. So Dorothy Parker, only place uh, you can d- die of encouragement is out in Hollywood. I, yeah, it's true. I so mean, that happened to you. And she's doing that. And by the way, do you think that she's doing that on purpose? No. She really feels that you were excellent. Call up. I'm going to put you on. But then she gets into her. You know, it's one of those things about you say woke. But that's also being present, being awake. So when she gets into her booking zone, she's on autopilot. Yeah. Making the same thing. She's not open. You're not the first who told me that. And I told you about a place here in town where I hear they're mistreating young comedians. And so when they call me for a favor or something and uh, I I will tell them, yeah, when that person's not there. And I don't expect them to fire that person. Right. uh, But um, make them aware. You're not going to work with them. This person's stopping me. has got a bad reputation. Yep. 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 And if you care. Do you care? That should matter to whoever owns or books Is the club. Yeah, managing yeah. clubs. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, so. and I'm not one of these people either. Like, uh, like I, I, I was talking to Bobby Lee on right. a podcast, and he said, he's like, so do you think because you're a straight white guy, you don't get opportunities anymore? And part of me will feel that sometimes, mm-hmm. even though I know it's not accurate. No, it's there's, completely accurate. There's, there's plenty uh, of- No, no, as a middle-aged white man, it's completely accurate. <laughs> it is. I got in under the- why, how long since I'm speaking of, oh, I say something to you. How long ago did I say I wanted to produce a special for you, direct a special? I mean, it was before COVID, so three years Yeah, maybe? three years ago. Yeah. All right, well, during COVID, it's been difficult. You can't count but that, yeah. it's not like I get everybody going, yeah! Yeah. Um, I get people going, well, I got to go check out Rick Ingram. And guess what? They haven't yet. Yeah. But I'm not giving up. But nobody's excited about a white guy between the ages of 25 and up. Yeah. That's that's really 25 and up. Up yeah. would be the end. It is. Yeah, no, it's really, we're in a place, but I'm not sorry about that. I, I But you know, the thing is, when I was a younger comic and I started in 82, if you were black, Asian, anything, and you were funny, you broke through. Um, there might There might have been... Uh, some people who were treated poorly. I mean, I, I am I, like I said, I can't. I, I respect the whole movement. You know, when sure. people say all lives matter, I'm like, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. White lives have always fucking yeah. mattered. You know, they don't get it. But we are at a point where the corporate world, outside of the, the artistry, yeah. are very conscious of it. So they're a little political correct, and there are. There are actors now who are people of color who are getting their opportunities because they're people of color. And do you know what? It's like one of those things where all things being equal, to me, you got to give it to the person of color. If two people are up for a role, white guy, black guy, white guy, Asian guy, white guy, Mexican guy, and they're equal, you've got to, you know, if it's all everything being equal, boom, boom. That's the you make, yeah the socially conscious. You choice. have to do yeah. this socially, but I think I see people getting jobs now on some levels where I'm going, wow, yeah. That I don't think they suck. They're thoroughly mediocre. Sure, but I, I, I but the truth is, man, through history, thoroughly mediocre white guys, and I can list dozens of them, got breaks. Well, so yeah, and whereas whereas by the way, the mediocre comedian of color did not. Right. See, if you were funny. And you were of any color, you're breaking through. You're going to get through. No one can stop you. Yeah. But 
the mediocre white guy, this is where the person who's, who really, you know, who's got to be scared right now. People ask me if I'm scared with my material. Um, why? I'm funny. Yeah. And, I, and I, I, I will say something stupid because I'm a man, but I will not say anything ignorant. That's not in my capability. Okay? I, I think that's a good, a good path to follow. Right. Well, yeah. it, it is. I know. But you know who's got to be scared right now? are white comedians who are just shock comedians, who are just there to like, you know, you know, and those people should be scared because the days of the mediocre white comedian are over. You're not going to get a break as the mediocre white comedian. So, and, and, and I started, like I said, in 82, I saw more mediocre white guys Oh, the 90s were thick with thick with mid- white, yeah, guys. white guys. And so, sorry, that yeah. train is gone. And so there are benefits to yeah. this, you know, but always, always, if you were funny, man, woman, any color, you were knowing if you had the wherewithal and you could fight adversity, ain't nobody could stop you. But mediocre. They stung, yeah. Man, well, you know? I, and I, like I told Bobby, I said, I, I don't I don't feel like. I will never have an opportunity. No, you're going to get opportunities. I'm funny. But no, because you're funny. Yeah. No, you will, but not as rapid. See, a funny guy in the 80s or 90s, white guy, could could yeah. go much higher up the Sitcoms line faster. And, yeah. Yes. But now you're funny. You've got nothing to worry about in terms of a career, but it will not come as fast. It's yeah. just the way it's wired, man. It's yeah. Just, and like you, like you said, I got in before with you. Like right. that's when. The way I look at it is like there's tons of working white guys, and it's gonna it's harder to be the new, uh, the unknown white guy unless you're, in the industry. Unless you're really but fucking funny. It's gonna take just I, the I hear right people seeing about you. white guys that are really funny, um, but I don't hear any stories about like or, or atten- I don't see attention being paid to the mediocre or sucky white comic. Right. And boy, oh boy. Uh, and by the way, I think the people listening have seen them in the 90s, and I saw them in the 80s. Yeah. And the 2000s, it started wrapping up. Yeah. You know, mediocre white guys, man, fuck. I mean, it, this makes me want to make a sketch comedy show called The Mediocre White Guys, but uh, we would get canceled immediately. Well, you'd um, never get on there. Yeah, you wouldn't get on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just, you just, you wouldn't get, you wouldn't get anywhere. You, I mean, it's like, um, yeah. It just, it's, you know, it is what it is. Like, the things that frustrate me is, like, I, I've never even had a showcase for, like, Montreal or any of that stuff. All right, if it makes you feel better, I'm successful, per yeah. se. Um, I've never been invited to Montreal. Yeah. I've been on showcases. Yeah. I stopped showcasing. I got offered a few years back one of their, what do they call it, galas. Right. And I said no, but I said it with resentment, like, fuck you, yeah, you when d- I you needed d- you. But now <laughs> my girlfriend wants to go to Montreal. So I said, all right, if they offer me a gala again, I'll do it. I'll do it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's no reason to turn anything down. Well, no, there was for me in that point because <laughs> they really, and by the way, the number of mediocre white guys that, were highlights yeah. of of uh, of Montreal. Well, wow. that's when I when I moved out here. I moved here out here in two thousand and two, and I was watching guys who I felt were not as funny as me, right. but probably at my same level as like right. a, a beginning comic, like getting it year after year. And I'm just going, how the fuck is this happening? How can I? Like I've never even had a, a real manager. You right. know what I mean? So it's like. But I will tell you this about comedy. I once had lunch with um, Milton Berle. Oh, nice. At the Friars Club here in uh, Beverly Hills. It's no longer there. It's torn down. 
And I couldn't believe I was alone at a table in an empty room. It was late lunch. He came in, started talking to me. He goes, come join me. Just me and Milton Berle. Pretty Milton sweet. Milton Berle and I. Yeah. That's the proper way. <laughs> and he was, we were talking about comedy, and I've talked about comedy along with Jerry Lewis, too. And their thing was, what's your hook? What's your thing? And you don't need a hook, but you need something more than just being funny. A little more distinction, i.e., wardrobe. When I mean wardrobe, wear a suit. Wear a sweatsuit. Something that there's a consistency that they can remember you. I'm saying, as a, yeah. I'm saying that for you. Yeah. I would pick what – I mean, look, I understand in terms of the um, – punk rock and roll aspect of wearing t-shirt and jeans and gym shoes. Sure. But if you're going to do that, really wear a t-shirt and jeans and uh, maybe Chuck Taylors. I'm just saying whatever choice you make for the side, and you don't ever want to be distracting to an audience. Sure. This is about as distracting as I get. You know, sure. it's but this is for me. This is super distracting. Sometimes I wear a suit, uh, sometimes just a sweatshirt, whatever. So, but you don't ever want to be distracting, but if you can have something that makes you more distinct, makes you stand out. Yeah. So they yeah. remember. Yeah, the yeah. guy who went up the well, middle. Yeah. But you, but because basically, when people are done seeing you, you know what they say? That guy was really funny. Yeah. How will I talk? By the way, I must say, how will I talk about him tomorrow and tell others to look for him? Yeah. You don't know. I, I yeah, talk I, about I, it on stage. No, but I'm saying. Yeah. So you should really think about that, but only do what's natural. Don't right. do some sort of artificial of like – so you don't need a hook, but you do need consistency of, you know. Sure. I broke through as a stand-up after years of working hard as a stand-up and opening for people through acting. That was my hook. My hook was my improvisation and acting skills got me jobs and suddenly I'm on TV shows. Right. Well, there you go. Sudden, then I'm a headliner. Right. That's a, I was filming Daddy Daycare. Okay, and I had headlined on the road to a degree. I gave it up because I was rarely headlining and I was middling for people. I was middling for people, people I respected a lot, most of them, sometimes not. I remember Judd Apatow and I used to, he was the MC, I was the middle act for a lot of hacks. That's insane. Where he and I would talk <laughs> and go, what's going on? Not even knowing what our careers would be right. like, but knowing this is just nuts, you know? Yeah. So I didn't quit stand-up. I still did showcase clubs, whatever. I come here, the improv, what have you. Um, but I was filming Daddy Daycare, and an agent came up to me on the lot who I was, was an acquaintance. He said, let's go back out on the road. You want to do that? And I said, sure. I was the headliner again, and what I did was I went out for short money to go kill and show them that I would draw and kill. Yeah. Which I did, and then I started, the money started. Comedy and tickets. Wait, wait up, yes. Get you in So anyway. I, had to, I had to prove myself. Right. Which I felt I did through a career, but no. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I was a younger comic, you know, and I would call someone like Bernie Brostein, who was like the biggest comedy manager in the business. He was an acquaintance. He would either get on the phone right away or call me right back. I would call the manager of a comedy club in Cincinnati, never call me back. Sure. Never. Yeah. And I was at, at – I had that – by the way, I'm mentioning that because I had that moment. I was at the Century City Mall, and I made two calls from the payphone. Nice. It was before cell Yeah, phones. old school. Yeah, and 
Bernie got on the phone. Hi, Jeff. How you doing? What are you? What's going on? Is he? And we talked for five minutes. I asked him some advice about something beautiful. I had called this guy at a comedy club in Ohio somewhere. Didn't get on the phone. Never returned my phone call. Not that I'd waited the pay phone, but, but yeah. my home phone where I had a left answering, a message yeah. answering machine. Never heard from him again. So we all have our own way of breaking through in the world of comedy, and mine was through television and movies. Yeah. 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 I mean, not I, through the clubs, even though I put in my work. Yeah. I put in my work to get good, to get my asp- aspiration is always to be great. But I put in my work. I just was getting nowhere. So I said, well, fuck the road. I'll just do whatever city I'm in. I will, if you know, I'm living in LA, I'm living in New York. I've done million sets in New York Catch a Rising Star, the comic strip. The Cellar, the Boston Comedy Club, I mean, uh, uh, Stand Up New York. I was going on in all of them. I was a local. I mean, I was from Chicago, but I was living in New York. And I'd do two, three sets a night minimum. Yeah. And I just worked on my stuff. But that didn't get me headlining anywhere on the road. Yeah, I, I still can't get headlining gigs. And for a while, I would go out and feature. And, it. I mean, it's harder. That does nothing. It does nothing. They pay so bad. So terrible. Do you know what they paid when when I was a middle act? you know what they paid? What's that? Uh, normal money was $600 for a weekend. All right. So I'm, I was middling up until about six years ago, and I was getting 500 for a weekend. Okay. So that so, means so I went down. It went down, <laughs> yeah. and you're also an established middle. Yeah. I was talking about from the get-go. That yeah. was like a bad weekend locally if you played a club locally, mind you, where you didn't have to sleep anywhere. Right. It was 400 back then. That was like a – and that's basically what I'm hearing now. The go-to price for a weekend is 100 uh, a show, 150 right. a show. Yeah, that's inexcusable. That's a club really fucking over the opening act. Yeah, because when you're a middle act, you should be at a level that you know what you're doing to a large degree. And the the real money should. I've always felt this way, that the opening act slash MC, if they if you're both, if you're just an opening act, I'm not referring to you, but if you're the MC. At a club, you should be, in some ways, the best comic. But the headliner has to do at least 45 minutes and really grab them. But you should be better than the middle act. Because you hold, especially, by the way, on a showcase, like we don't have uh, MCs here. Right. But you control the pacing of the show. Yeah. And so when you work with someone, let's say you're on a show with like four other comedians, and the MC is doing time wherever he feels like it or she feels like it, Bullshit. Because you do time when it's needed. You do time at the, you know, after, you know, when you can get it in. But your job is to make the show flow. The one thing that the least respected person in the room in a comedy club, I feel, is the audience. Yeah, it is. The content of a lot of comedians. I'm like, you're not talking to people who are mentally challenged, man. Yeah. What 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 what's going on with the or ignorant unless you're doing skank fest? Yeah, skank fest. Oh jeez. Yeah, oh, I mean that unnerves me. There, there's comedians who came out of that that uh, podcast community that are great. Like Tim Dillon came out of. Oh, that. Tim Dillon. He's amazing. My man. And by the way, he is fooling so many people. So great. That Southwest pilot that he did recently, saying all the things. Yeah. The South, the real Southwest pilot said one, one thing, thing. Yeah. Which stood for a lot, but 
what he did. And then the people were getting angry. There was a guy, what was the guy on the radio here who used to do all the characters? He would be the, the host of the show as himself. He'd have a special guest and he was also the callers. What the heck was his name? It's know. bugging the crap out of me. Genius. Yeah. I mean, literally genius. I would listen to him. You can still listen to him. I think he makes up a pot. I don't know what he's doing currently, but wow. Actually, I have my phone, so I'll, I'll look it up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. T- Tim came out of that. And oh, I, he's I think he's hysterical. Well, by the way, guess what? Here, I'll make another announcement that nobody knows. I am going to be doing a podcast with iHeartRadio, and it's... Um, I don't remember the title. It's got Curb in the title, but it's basically the history of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, that's cool. Episode by episode, starting with the first episode. Um, and all people from the show. I'll have people from behind the scenes. Um, so I'm going to be doing that. But also one thing I know is that I'll be damned. You have a podcast. It helps your draw. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. It is crazy. Well, that's how, like... It- it, uh, uh, podcasting in general is great for all comedians. Mm-hmm. The people we were talking about a little bit earlier where we were saying, you know, if you're a mediocre white guy and shock value is all you have, then podcasting is the only thing that makes it so you can have a career. Because there's a lot of those guys who they do appeal to just right. the really dumb. Well, by the way, I'm going to tell you something. Conspiracy, idiot you, people. I, I don't want to say that. No, I'm not. I'm just, <laughs> it's not something I'll get in trouble for. It's just... I a friend told me something in confidence about dumb audiences. Someone who's very successful. Yeah. And uh, I was like, oh wow. But I, I don't want to repeat it. Fair I don't, enough. I don't want. I don't yeah. want to out them per se. Yeah. With their dumb audience. Yeah, members. yeah. We're not you trying I mean? to burn other people's bridges. Yeah, yeah. So he's <laughs> he gets they come to his shows. Yeah. You know, but they're not the most enjoyable part of his show. Yeah. Like he likes playing to the other part of the audience. He just does what he does. But for some reason, dumb people like him too. Which, by the way. For example, Pixar. People throw brilliance around, genius. You know, you make a movie at a studio, they want to appeal to everybody. Very few people can really be make something that's brilliant. Pixar has because you can be the dumbest person in the room and the smartest person in the room, and you're getting something out of their movies. Yeah. To play to the dumb end, eh, I don't like that. To be a... uh, eyebrow-raising, elitist piece of shit. I don't like that either. I think that you stay true to the material, but you just try and be... You want want everybody to do it, but there is no special way of doing it. That's why when, you know, someone makes a movie and they want to appeal to everyone, it's not going to work. But if you do something that you care about the story, you care about the production, and you come up with something that's so universal and beautiful, such as Pixar, you are going to get everybody getting something out of it. Yeah. Like, you know, Pixar, you can be the, you can, I mean, they can show all their movies at Harvard and get standing ovations. Sure. And they can also go to a prison and show their movies and People get it. Like yeah. It, yeah. And by the way, there's a lot of smart people in prison, and there's a lot of dumb people at Harvard. And there's a lot of people at Harvard who will end up in prison. Yeah. I wouldn't say a lot, but some. There's a percentage. Some, yeah, yeah a lot of them will. They don't have morals. They'll lead their way out of it. And they're trying but... to rip off uh, America yeah. or, or wherever in the world. Well, the American people, at least. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a different kind of criminal. But yes, the white collar. Yeah, yeah, fuck them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, 
it could. I mean, obviously, that's a noble the target. And, Anybody yeah. who's in the news as a white collar criminal, yeah, go to town. Yeah, and no one's going to get offended. Uh, I mean, well, it's not even getting rich- offended. It's like, here's the thing. Look at George Carlin. Do you have a point to make about whatever topic? If you've got a good point and it's funny, it's better if it's a noble target. But if it's not, who's who's in there? I can't. Hi, Pam. How are you? You know. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, Pamela Sisson. Do you know Pam? Yeah, she's a great photographer. She's a great photographer. She's taking some pictures of me. Get, uh, getting proof. Yeah, no, she's really she's fantastic. Follow yeah. her on Instagram or wherever. I always hype her. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, she's excellent. Um, yeah, they uh, George Carlin. Someone someone was releasing a clip recently where he was talking about cops. Yeah, and it, it was interesting to see. Like, I saw a couple comedians share it, and it's like. He's basically like fuck cops, and he like goes on this long. Oh, I saw it. Yeah, I saw it. So it's like from a special that he did, but he didn't. He cut that part because right. Yeah, no, it's on. It's actually on Amazon now. It's a lot of cut parts. Yeah, from different stuff. From different stuff. Yeah. So obviously, if you release that even twenty years ago, people would have been like, "You can't." Well, here's the something. I was on. uh, A few years back, I was on WGN Television, their morning show which is the Channel 9 in Chicago, is more popular than the Today Show, than all of them. Right. And I was on there because I had heard that they were having trouble getting their, their um, uh, you know, their the right pay, the right amount of pay, back pay, retirement pay, everything. And I went on the air and defended them because I felt strongly about it. It's a, it's a, it's a position that really good cops... Boy, oh boy, that is a tough job, just yeah. like being a teacher. However, recently, Mayor Lightfoot put down that in order to work the streets and be a police officer, you have to be inoculated. You have to have your shots. And 50% said, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Well, I can't get behind that. Yeah. I cannot get behind that. You're a public servant, which is really to serve and protect. Yeah. You're a public servant. To serve and protect me, I shouldn't be able to get COVID from you. Yeah, and you're you're I you're, shouldn't. You are legitimately forced to right. interact with people. So I do think that cops should be treated with respect, but I also think if you you got to give the respect back. Yeah. And there's always going to be just like I mentioned dentists, bad dentists, bad cops, bad but there are wonderful cops. See, that's like the thing. We love to lump lump everything. Everyone's in. yeah, everyone's yeah, the same. Yeah, not everyone group. who transitions is your creepy landlord. Exactly right. You know what yeah. I mean? There are wonderful people who just have been it hasn't worked out the right way for them emotionally, physically on every level and they transition, which I think is very brave. Yeah. You know. Um so, you know, the the lumping makes me nuts. Yeah. It's like, um, yeah, it's just really disappointing. Yeah, the, the, like Aaron Rodgers has come out this week, and he he's he's acting the victim as if he's lumped in with our our woke culture. Yeah, and he's being singled out. No, you're being singled out because you lied. Yeah, you know, Kyrie Irving. People can think he's dumb, whatever they want to think about him. He's, but, but he's he's true to himself. He's true to himself. He's telling his this truth. This is what he said. He's telling his truth. Yeah. So what? Where's the problem? I mean, there's a problem there, but there it's is. his problem. And, and by the way, I know someone who doesn't want to get a shot. They stay home. Yeah. They stay home. Yeah. And they go out in emergencies, wear a mask, and they only would find themselves at a place where you'd find yourself in an emergency. Right. All right. So you can say I don't want to get it. The, the quarterback for the um. 
Um, who does he play for? He plays for uh, what the, f- the hell's his name? The guy for uh, the, Philadelphia. The, the Colts. No, not the Colts. The Colts. Yeah. Well, guess what? If he's at a press conference, he's wearing a fucking mask. Yep. And guess what? He's going through the protocols of getting tested every day. Yeah. Well, I disagree with him not getting, but I accept him. Yeah. He, I reach across the aisle and go, good on you for wearing your mask. You're doing for, what you have to you're do. You're doing what you yeah. have to do. The idea that this dude lied, that people are so forgiving for almost anything except liars. And when I say liars, liars uh, who are like if we put their trust in them and they blow it. So a certain very well-known person lied to America on a lot of levels. And as people backed him and whatever, but that's more the cult of personality than it is. We put our faith in you, right? You know, and it's and we put our faith like Aaron Rodgers a few weeks back, my beloved Chicago Bears. He scored a touchdown and said, uh, uh, I, own "I own you. you." Yeah, and I thought, well, if anyone has a problem with that, they should look in the mirror because he he's does. owning you. Yeah, he's owning you. Yeah, the now, team's getting. I've lost complete respect for him, and I don't think at this point, especially with his tact. I don't think he – not that he gives a shit, mind you. Correct. I understand. He is not sitting at home going, I wonder what Jeff Garland thinks. Yeah, that. yeah. But he has lost my respect forever. And I used to hate the Vikings more. Now I definitely now hate the Packers. And the Packers are more <laughs> – The traditional it, rival. The traditional yeah. rival. And so now I hate him because also he did this and his team knew about it. Yeah. And he's in a room with, with reporters. Yeah. You know, and the team knew about it. How horrible. The, yeah, and the thing with that is, like, he, he just he didn't wear a mask because he wanted them to think he, he was vaccinated. That's why he said, he I'm, said I'm, I'm, what, I'm, I'm immunized. I'm immunized. immunized. Yeah. Immunized. And, and so it's like, well, that's weird. And by but, the way, if he would have said, look, I feel I'm immunized, I... I'm going about, like, tell your truth, say, man. Yeah, say I'm a healthy, athletic, 38-year-old man. In my beliefs, yeah. I feel I'm fine. Yeah. I will go through the protocols. Yeah. I will wear the mask. On the sideline, the dude didn't wear the mask. He's yeah. just a liar to everyone. And if the Packers knew about it, shame on them. Yeah. Truly. Yeah, I mean, I, I watched his, his little press conference on whatever that – ESPN podcast was, and I was just like, like, is that I, even an ESPN podcast? I don't even know. know. I just I know they were sharing the it. So, yeah, I, I was watching it. And by the way, the two dudes interviewing the whole time, the look on their face, just like, are we? We're not going to say anything. We're just going to let them. Which they did. Which they did. Shame on them yeah. too. But Shame, not that you would. No one's expecting you to be top to notch journalists. Yeah, but say something. Question just some of the clear bullshit. It's clear bullshit. They just sat there kissing his ass, and yeah. it's embarrassing. I, I they'll no never issue. recover from it, except yeah. for. You know who will stay with them? Anti-vaxxers. Anti-vaxxers and or uh, uh, Packer fans and or Aaron Rodgers fans. Because, by the way, I wonder – well, I can answer that, actually. How many people in Green Bay are saying this guy – I know – I bet you a lot of people in Green Bay right now are hoping that Jordan Love, the quarterback on the Packers – Plays great. Plays great. Yep. So I bet you a lot of if like that happens, they're like good riddance. Yeah. But a lot of them will stick with it because in Chicago, my I don't want to say beloved because the Cubs are beloved, the Bears are beloved, yeah, the Bulls are beloved now because they're trying. Um, the Blackhawks 
had someone on there in their front office, a, a uh, one of the coaches, people employed, right. uh, who works with young players, uh, sexually assaulted two of the players. Yeah, one of which it. was a first round draft pick. And when they brought it to the higher ups, they said, "Oh, we're winning. We can't. We can't. Yeah, can't get rid of them. Can't we? Take, we can't. Well, no, it wasn't that. It was like let's not pay attention to this now. Let's wait till after the season. Oh, okay." And then when they fired him, they didn't say anything. He went on to molest a 14-year-old boy in Michigan. Yeah, so, so that's a problem. That, 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 to me, and players knew about it, including the captains of the team, people in the front office. So for me, as a person who the Blackhawks were always my that number your one team. hockey right. team, not a big hockey fan. I like hockey. It's certainly great to go to live. I'll never root for them again. I have two jerseys, one that says Garland on the back, and one that doesn't, and they, I can tell you flat out, are going in the garbage. Yeah, They're actually on a, in a pile to go in the garbage. Fuck them. There's nothing they can do to recover because that, you know what they could do to recover? If they cleaned house of their team, the owners, and all the management. And, by the way, they're called the fucking Blackhawks. So call yourself the Chicago hockey team, yeah. hockey club. Yeah. I love that. I don't know why the Redskins would even look for a new name. Yeah. Washington Football Club. That sounds That's awesome. badass. Yeah, it does. Sounds like a Premier League team. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's, it's more than an embarrassment. It's a slap to humanity's face. Yeah. It's a slap to the fans. So I don't know what fans are sticking with them. I don't know what fans are defending them, defending certain players. Yeah. These are players that I really had a great affection for, and I'm sorry everyone heard about it. I thought it was interesting that the what they have been pushing for in the last week was that they just want his name crossed off well, that's, on the that cup. Well, that was an important thing to them, as if the whole cup is in tarnish. Yeah. That like, they shouldn't cross off, a, I'm not going to say the people's names, I'm yeah. not going to give them the time, that you wouldn't cross off, cross off this the one, manager, that one, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, the coach, all these people who did nothing. I love that the coach of, I think, is he the... Uh, the Lightning coach or the Panthers? Oh, Panthers! He got that, fired. That he got fired. I'm just like, yeah. well, that's great. I, yeah. it's cool to see and other accountability. Other people got fired. They fired their coach because they're not winning. Right. Like, and and that's the only thing that's. That, by the way, if that's the least important important thing, the the premise is you run your organization like a pro, and you treat people who work there like respect with respect, and you treat your players with respect. You treat the fans well. Like you know who I know, and I love is um and i've become a big fan of the team is steve Ballmer and the clippers oh yeah he is just delightful yeah. now there may be people at microsoft to say you didn't know him now yeah, yeah i don't know but i see the way he cares about the team the He's way he cares passion. about people that work in the building yeah that the, the the whole vibe and from my point of view that's the way you win and you as know, a team owner the the fact that he literally just bought the forum so that he could build his own stadium yes. next. Well, he's the richest being... owner in sports. Yeah. To have the richest owner in sports who cares about your team. Do you know he's got one other investor who just happens to be one of his best friends that he went to college? Think about that. One other investor. Yeah, that's impressive. And I don't even know how much this dude put in. You yeah. Know? Yeah, I mean, that's that's crazy. When When he bought the team, it went from... Literally the biggest scumbag owner oh, yeah, of professional yeah. sports. Yes, yes. Where you're just like, it's hard to like this team with right. this guy. Right. To then, but, like, he bought it, and you're like, I mean, he I'll seems. Give him a shot. Yeah. And then, boom. And then they got good. And yeah, he cares. They haven't, they haven't made it past the next well, level Well, right yet, now but, they're going through, a, I have season tickets. Right now they're going through a tough, you know, little yeah. festival. But, you know. 
Yeah, but they got great players. They'll be yeah. fine. They're yeah, going to no, compete at fine. least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're, they're fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't been to an NBA game since uh, 1986. Where when, are you uh, from? I'm from Kansas City. And so, oh, the, the so Royals, the, but they weren't in existence in 86, the Kansas City Royals. Uh, Oscar Robertson. Yeah. Cincinnati Royals, and then I think they moved to Kansas City. They became the Kansas City Kings. Kings, yeah. And then they the moved Sacramento. to Sacramento. So the so last you, game I went to was uh, – Do you have a favorite team? Uh, I, I don't really have a favorite team. I liked Oklahoma City for a while because right. uh, I went to college with uh, Nick Collison, who was like Always on the team, one of their yeah. players. And I wasn't like friends with him. I met him a couple times. Right. But th- basically, I'm a KU guy. Right. So I like the KU players wherever right. they end up playing. Right. I liked the Celtics for a while because Paul Pierce was basically the best KU player that um, yeah, Paul Pierce, came out fantastic. Years. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of the NBA. That's basically how it's been. Mm-hmm. And there's been a couple times in the last like ten years where someone's like, "Hey, do you want to go with me to a game?" I'm just like, "No, my team moved away." I remember so you don't being have much crushed. interest. Well, I I love the NBA. Like I'll watch it on TV, but it's like I just don't. I don't have a team. Mm-hmm. There's never been a team that. Impressed me. I love the Clippers in the late 80s, early 90s because Danny right. Manning played Danny for Manning, so, University of Kansas, yeah. Jayhawk. Yeah, I saw him play at the uh, sports arena. Yeah. Yeah, but that owner. Do you know once Billy Crystal gave me his tickets once, sat on the floor, and I swear this is not even an exaggeration. Guy comes, I sit down, guy comes making a beeline for me. Who are you? I said, I'm Jeff Garland. How'd you get these tickets? Raising his voice. <laughs> And then I went, wait, you're Donald Sterling. You're the owner of the team. You're worried about my tickets, and you're putting this horrible team on the floor. Yeah. Because I came <laughs> to watch Kevin Johnson and the Phoenix Suns. Sure. You know, and, and, and yeah, early Billy was ni- nice. Yeah, early 90s. Yeah. And so the idea that the guy was more concerned with who I was and how I got those tickets than, than, he, than he was what's on the buy, floor. Yeah, than spending money to get decent well, players. Well, we learned a lot about him. Yeah. By the way, you want to hear a great podcast. It's about human nature, about everything. Listen to the podcast about Donald Sterling's fall and Steve Ballmer buying them. I know from Steve Ballmer, he found things out in that podcast that he did not know. And he bought the team. Yes. Wow. Which I think is just fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of those scandals where I'm just like, how do the Clippers survive this? Well, by the way, Doc Rivers, I mean, all of them, that hurt them deeply. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean, there's you know, there's there's the, shitty people at every the Clippers every level. really soothed me for a while after Donald Sterling because the Bulls were just terrible, right? And so it was like, oh, but I always have second. My second favorite teams in L.A. are all the secondary teams: the Chargers, right? The Clippers and the Angels. You might be the only Chargers fan in existence. People don't understand about how. <laughs> No one really cares about them. That when they play, it's mostly from the other team. I used to go. I used to go to the, when the Chiefs would play them in San Diego. I would go almost every year, a few mm-hmm. times at least, probably four or five times. Me and uh, some other friends would drive down there, and it was always seventy-five percent um, Chiefs. Chiefs fans. Even down there, I would have thought even in more San, Di- San, San Diego, Diego they had there was no fan base. San Diego is weird because it's like a, a outdoor surfing. But I will tell you this kind of community. I'm a big Cubs fan, and the Padres hurt my soul in 1984. Tony but, Gwynn era. But 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 no exaggeration. Those Padre fans are pretty good fans. Yeah, and it's a beautiful place to watch baseball. Their new stadium, or it's not new at this it's point. Pretty but new, it's though. pretty new. Downtown, yeah. no, downtown, it's lovely. beautiful. But those people, I w- I've gone to a few games. Yeah, I even broadcast with Dick Enberg once. Nice. That was one of my favorite things ever. Um, 
I watch the fans, and they're very smart, and they're really good fans. And yeah. I felt so bad for them. Felt bad for them this year. Felt felt bad for them every year. I had uh, I, I do another podcast where I just talk to strangers. It has nothing to do with comedy. Called, oh, I love that. It's called Rick Ingram Talks to Strangers, and we just right. bring people in from social media. I say, you know, do you do a video of it too? Yep. Oh wow! And I do it with it's on uh, YouTube. Uh huh. It's called Rick Ingham Talks to Strangers. Yeah, I'd lo- I'm going to watch it. Yeah, Sarah Tiana produces it. And Sarah. Yeah, so we. I love Sarah Tiana. She's great. She is the best. I'm so happy for her. Her life. Yeah, man, she's great. She's uh, she's aces, man. She uh, she we did a our first live show in the belly room, and she brought in a celebrity stranger. Uh-huh. Um, and so I I, I in, ended up interviewing Ryan Leaf. The, oh, you're kidding the, the, me! The quarterback of right. Rice, yeah, she got that through. And, I don't know if she's married, but her partner. Yeah. If she's not married, he's a yeah. lovely guy. Chris because, is great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because he works with, with Rich, Rich Eisen. Eisen yeah. He's one of my closest friends. Oh, okay. So, yeah, yeah. I, 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 so I'm really happy for her life. Yeah, Ryan Leaf, who's been through up and down. But what a story! Ad, but as an addict, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna relapse. Yeah. I relapsed. I relapsed. I relapsed three months ago, and I'm just now getting on the wagon. And for those, what of you was your sugar? Oh, okay. I'm an I'm an addict to high carb sugary things. Okay, and really bad. And that, but I lost. I've lost a hundred pounds or so over the past five to seven years, very slowly. I recall and no watching. dieting. Yeah, no dieting, zero. I sit with my feelings, and I did it through uh, uh, OA. I even went to some AA meetings, too. Really? Yeah. I went to an AA meeting because I was getting frustrated with OA because, first off, as a man, sometimes OA can be frustrating. The best meetings that I – look, there's some great meetings where there's lots of women, but sometimes I feel out of touch. Um, And so – uh, the there's there's men's only meetings. There's also women's only meetings. There's also sexual orientation meetings. There's lots of that stuff. But I would go to this AA meeting that was filled with movie stars and rock stars. I was the least known person in the room, and I was with some giants. Yeah, and I was the only one there. Who had who had an eating problem with sugar, but any alcoholic will tell you because a lot of times that's what they go to how hard sugar is. Right. And how, but also with food, you have to eat at least three times a day. I try and eat five times a day. Small smaller meals, yeah. Smaller meals and the right combinations because I have diabetes due to me too my abuse. You have diabetes. I'm a type one. You're a type one. Yeah. Do you have a Dexcom on? I do. Yeah. So do I. Right here, yeah. Yeah. Guess what? I heard news today. What's that? All right, and I'll get in trouble. I'll say it off the air. Okay. It's great. Dexcom's great. Yeah. So it's not like that. It's not like, uh, oh, there's a better product. No, yeah. there is no better product. No, I agree. I didn't know that. I have type 2. You know, last night I was supposed to be here at the club. My sugar, you know, good sugar's below 120. Right. Okay. My, and then if it gets up over 200, that's really going. You know, sometimes when you eat, it'll go up to 180, but it goes up Plateaus slowly. It comes and then, down slowly. Yeah. Where last night, because of... Uh, my uh, addiction, I uh, spiked to 286, which is not quite hospital, right. but I had to go home and take some insulin, yeah. and I couldn't do my show last night. Yeah. And that was a big wake-up call, and I've been sober all day, and I'm taking it a minute at a time. But, yeah, I lost weight just from sitting in a chair when I felt like having ice cream. Yeah, Dean, uh, Dean Del Rey, um, he, I, I don't know if he had, was type 2 or just pre-diabetic, but he gained a bunch of weight. And then he cut out sugar, 
no candy. I guess he said he just ate candy all the right, time. Right, right, right. And he cut it out, and he lost a bunch of weight and has kept Well, that'll it help, you but, know, certainly. I don't drink. I stopped drinking. There's certain, like, if you just give up diet or sugary soda, that's all you give up. At the end of the year, you'll be 10, 12 pounds down. Yeah. Boom. Just like that. That alone. Yeah. Um, but it's, it wasn't a diet thing. But I, I have to watch my diet because of food combining, because of diabetes, as right. you know. But- in terms of anything more than that, no, I don't diet. I, I, I lost all of my weight, and I'm literally it's like 95 pounds or so. There's not a pound that I didn't lose from doing anything but being present, from being woke. Yes. You know, that's what I'm saying. I hate that term because it's such a great word yeah. to suddenly become woke. To be aware, yeah. It's like, a, it's like an epiphany. Yeah. You know, I like that. And by the way, I like when people are woke to sensitivities of others. I know? agree. I, listen, I think but, people... But this whole woke, quote, culture, yeah. and it's it's like a term that has such negative implications. It's very sad. It just... Well, look. Look at the word cool and hip. Those words are no longer considered cool and hip. If I refer to somebody as hip, yeah. I'm referring to someone in Sir Silver Lake who's a douchebag. Correct. Whereas it was... It was like jazzy musicians in the 40s and 50s, like Miles Davis, who would say, yeah, man, that's hip. Right. That's cool. Yeah. You know? Um, and that meant something. But it, over time- It changes. It, it yeah. changes. I, I think woke culture is is good in what its goal is. I think it's great to want to strive to Be see things to in the right yeah, way. Yeah, 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 right. I think the way that they go about it is counterproductive. Can be. And yeah. I think um, a lot of times- Basically, scolding adults right um, for having a different opinion than you about things right. is well, never going to well, bring by the them way, to the right side of things. When I was a kid, if you were a Republican, it just melt you at a conservative viewpoint, and Republicans and Democrats reach across the aisle to help one another. Right. Now, if you're a Republican and you even nod at a Democrat, they'll drop you off. The, the you'll yeah. lose your constituents. Like yeah. it is so split, and it's heartbreaking. Yeah. And I don't do any of that in my stand-up. No, you can't. talk about it. No, you can if you're insightful. If, you're, if you've got a take on it that's beautiful, great. I'm not funny enough in the ways of politics yeah. to make that stuff funny or interesting. I, I can get away with it. I feel like the only reason I can get away with it is because no one knows who I am. But like nope. when, when it's people you're go, funny. it's because you're funny. People go, well, what are you going to do if you ever go to a show somewhere else? And like, I went somewhere. I went to uh, Oklahoma with Ren Azizi a couple yeah. years ago. Yeah. And I was ripping on Trump and Trump supporters, and someone was like, "I, I bet that didn't go well." And I'm like, "No, it went fine," because they know I'm joking. They know I'm well, having I fun. I told with you, it. Trumpers love Curb. Yeah. They yeah, love the thing it. we did on Curb. It's just, I'm sorry for those of you listening, you heard a rock there. <laughs> I hit the microphone. It's just that I'm not good at that kind of comedy. So I don't. And Rick, it's not because nobody knows you. You're funny and you have a good take on things. Great take on things. I sit in the back and watch you and I laugh. And by the way, that's me. And that's also the thing about comedy, just like music. It's so personal. And I think comedy is even more personal. I agree. I think it's the most personal art form that there is. Yeah. Because what makes one person laugh can make another person cringe. But if you cringe, don't watch. Yeah. Don't turn on the special. Don't, you know, just avoid it. And I don't know anyone unless it, the premise is I want to rile you up to hurt someone. I don't think anyone's ever been hurt by words. And let me tell you something else. You look at Bob Dylan. 
You look at Neil Young, who write music about peace and thoughtfulness. I mean, I think they've made the world a better place. Have they changed things? I don't think no, so. Not really. Not really, because, yeah. you know, it's not like I think they could have inspired, but you're talking about a minute amount of people. And when I said, by the way, they've inspired somebody who's already enlightened. Yeah, that's what I was going to yeah. say is that they're changing the people who wanted to be changed. Right. They're not changing people well, who people, think differently. By the way, that's what it is with anything. Are you open to evolving? Yeah. And certainly, if you put on, if you watch a movie, any artistry that comes your way, a play, doesn't matter a book if you're open to growing and something sends you down a path and that's been me hundreds of times i've been inspired but my heart's open right my heart's open to grow to learn it's not uh, this is my viewpoint i don't watch news to get my viewpoint told to me i agree i I would love I swear I would love this. Just the Facts Network. It would be amazing. If they had Where a newscaster they, like 1980 or earlier. Well, by, by the way, imagine if the fact checkers were from both sides. Yeah. You know what I mean? But then there would still be people who doubted the the different, you know. The, the, yeah. the, there's just such mistrust. And, and I got to be frank. It depresses the fuck out of me. And thank God I can do stand-up and have a good time. And my job, my job as a comedian, so, so, only job I have is to ease people's pain. So when I go up, my job is to be funny, to be open-hearted, to be, if anyone's going to look foolish when I'm on stage, it's me. Got to be you, yeah. That's, and, and that's, I think, a responsibility that I have for my kind of comedy and uh, and uh, being a comedian. I don't know that that's necessarily what is. So even though I'm depressed about the way the world, I know my part in it, and yeah. my part is to make you feel less depressed, and when I do that, I feel better. But it's not to change your mind. Right. It's not to make you think like me or think like some. No. Yeah. It's to ease your pain, yeah. which eases Provide, my When I ease someone's pain, well, it's more than, well, by the way, bottom line is I have to be funny. But if I can be insightful and funny and ease your pain, man, yeah. I've just. Big win there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, people are, I did this, like I rolled dice. Yeah. I've only played Monopoly. I've never gone to Vegas and rolled <laughs> dice ever in my life. I have never. Terrible ever, city in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, I've but, never played craps, ever. Yeah. And I've never done a back alley. Come on, guys. Yeah, no dice and games. I bet you that's had to have happened here. Listen. I bet you. With yeah. comedians and their addictions. Oh, for sure. I guarantee in one of the back, I almost want to call them alleys. Yeah. Behind here. Yeah. Behind the store. You Sacred know ground. that's a you know that has to there happen. Was a, there was a guy, Huck, who used to be the Thai bartender here, uh-uh. and he, at one point, basically set up a casino in the main room when I was, when I was uh, probably- I didn't know that. It was like 2005 or six, and so oh, like, I'd come in, and I'd go back there to smoke pot, and the comedy store was so dead then that most of the building was just being used by comedians for whatever it was, Yeah. and so I would go back there to smoke pot in the green room because we never had shows, and it would be Huck sitting there, and there'd be like three tables of poker going. Right. I'd be like, what what the fuck's going on? Like, you want fucking buy in? Buy in. And then <laughs> you'd always you'd oh, watch I, it. I'm on in 15 yeah, minutes. Yeah, we, and by the way, I want to say I'm on in my favorite room, the original room. They call it the OR. Yeah, here. the OR. And that is the room where I feel most creative, most complete. I do not like, I mean, I play the main room. I say I don't like it. I like it. Yeah. But I love the OR. I like the belly room a lot. 
Yeah. But the other room feels mainstream to me, the the, the, the main room. just It just feels that way to yeah. me. And by the way, I've gotten so many different opinions, but everyone agrees that the OR, and by the way, if you're funny in the OR, you can be funny anywhere. anywhere. I agree. Any, anywhere. It's, it's the most wonderful room and the most difficult room. It's yeah. the room where the strong survive. I, I was here one night many years ago, and Robin Williams came in, mm-hmm. and he went up in the um the main room he just came in i think he was doing like press for uh rv or whatever Uh it was and he went into the main room and they were someone was doing a show it wasn't a comedy store show but it was just a show that promoter was putting on and he's just crushing just doing robin stuff and he got off stage and he came over he's in the hallway and the guy in the cover booth said robin you want to go up in the or and it was like a thursday night 20 people in the crowd and he's like "Yeah, yeah i'll go up so he goes in the OR, and he's doing basically the same kind of thing, just bombing. And he gets like 10 minutes in the set, and he's like, well, it's always nice to come back to the original room, and, and the world will let you know that they were laughing at you in the other room because you're famous. And well, when by you're the way, in the that's room- pretty brilliant and astute of him. And the point is he wasn't in shape because Robin Williams yeah. in shape destroyed, destroyed the original room. Eight people, 80 people. And I've seen matter. him destroy the original room right. probably four times. By the way, that but- same press tour. Cheryl Hines was in that movie That's with right. him. Yeah. She brought him to Caroline's to see me. She said, Robin's coming. Are you cool with that? I said, of course. I love yeah. him. He's Legend, the sweetest, yeah. but the sweetest man. Very kind. So human. sweet and loved other comedians. Yep. So wonderful. He was wonderful to me. So I'm on stage, maybe 20 minutes into my show, and I'm killing. And someone is talking, and I'm de- it's mild. It's not even heckling. And I hear a Scottish brogue from the, get them, Jeff. Show them what you're made of from the back of the room. And I said, you've been quiet. What's going on? And I go, hey, you want to go up? He goes, yeah. And he came up. And obviously, I said, ladies and gentlemen, Robin Williams in the place. It was sold out. Yeah. I mean, sold out. And they erupted. Ballistic. And if I thought I was doing good, this is a whole other, like, holy shit. And there was a seat right up front. And I got to watch him do 45 minutes. You know, and then I went, he finished, he walked off and I went back up and I said to the audience, I said, uh, if you think I'm doing more time because I'm supposed to do an hour, (laughs) oh, that's not going to happen. You got more than your money's worth. Yeah, absolutely. And then here's what I'll say about Robin. He sat for at least an hour in the green room, just he and I talking about comedy after that set. Yeah, he. Cheryl left. Everyone left. They 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 were cleaning up the Carolines, cleaning up the kitchen. He's back there with me, and we're talking about comedy. He was great. He that night he was here. I, I started fucking with him as uh, Argus Hamilton. I used uh, to get really drunk and turn into drunk Argus Hamilton. Uh, and so I saw him in the hallway, and uh, you know, I, I went up. I said, "Hey, Robin, the Todd's looking for you." And his eyes opened up, and he goes. How the fuck do you know who I bought Coke from in the 80s? <laughs> and I said, well, someone told me a story. And we sat. We were fucking improving. I was like doing. The, be- the best dude. It was so great. Well, he was full of joy. Yeah. And he loved being a comedian. And he loved comedy. Loved and he gave me great advice. You know, I said, people tell me I need to start doing things more standard. Comedy. No! Yeah. And he, go- he goes, well, you're gonna- you might get in faster. Yes. But do you want to be a guy who has one or two episodes on 10 sitcoms, or do you want to be a guy who stars in a sitcom? Right. No, he's completely right. And I said, all right. But now I'm just saying, be consistent in your appearance, which will only help you. Because what are you, 40 now? I just turned 40, yeah. Yeah, so you're a 40-year-old white guy. Yeah. 
Be consistent in your appearance so at least they can say, at worst, oh, as a white guy in a suit. Because who wears suits? No one now. That's right. Yeah. So I'm saying just be consistent in your appearance. Do not change anything in your act. You are hilarious. Thank you. And you're also a great improviser, which I cannot throw that compliment. <laughs> and, um, yeah. Yeah. Are you a good actor? I'm pretty good, I think. Okay. Well, I've had I'll, a few spots. And... If we do more Curb, I'll, I'll bring you in for an audition with Allison Jones. That would be awesome. I didn't know. And and, and as I, I used to be so heavily involved in the casting for years on Curb, but once COVID hit and we started, we uh, before the Zoom festival, like the, the first time, we weren't even meeting people on, we were just looking at tapes. Now there's a Zoom and a tape. But I said to... Jeff Schaefer, who's the executive producer with myself and Larry, but he's also the director, and Larry's the other executive producer. I told them, I go, you don't need me, and you don't need another opinion. If you're both stuck, show me who you're stuck on, and I'll give you my take on it. Right. And so I just, because it's not not an ego thing, but when we did it live, I was the one that greeted people when they walked in the room, made sure they were comfortable, because it's weird to walk into a room when you're auditioning for something, and you're acting with the stars, the stars of the show. Yeah, that's very, it's very, it's very, very weird. We're, we're, so sometimes it'd be Cheryl, myself, and Larry sitting in the room. And that can be, even though to me it's not remotely intimidating, I understand how it could be intimidating. Yeah. So I want to make everybody feel comfortable. And also auditioning sucks, and it's so it's so difficult. So I just want to make sure. But I don't didn't have to do that anymore. So uh, unless we, so I've been I had a lot to do with the casting yeah. over the past few seasons. Prior to that, I had everything to do with it. You know. Yeah. yeah. Well, the shows it's amazing. It's been one of the best shows for so long. Well, I am honored that you think that, and I hope people keep digging it. Yeah. And um, I hope we keep doing it. I actually have no you know i used to have a feeling one way or the other like yeah i think we'll do more uh, but this is the first time where i'm actually i think there's a greater chance of us not doing more episodes not a great chance right and, and it's not like larry said anything to me it's just my gut tells me maybe one more right and by the way Larry David tells me he's doing it. I'm in. I will never. I don't care. My own shows are successful. I'm in. Whatever I'm doing, I will always make room to be part of Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's one of the greatest honors of my life. Yeah. Uh, the, being affiliated with Pixar and doing Wally, I was the voice of the captain on there and Buttercup the Unicorn in the Toy Stories. Yeah. That's been also, especially Wally has been like, wow, I, that that movie made me cry. And I only saw it for the first time when it was done. Right. Like I never saw any rough cuts. And, and so anyhow, and when you're in a room, you're not trying to match the voice. You're just like reading the lines. And I right. went three years on it. I didn't know what was going to be in there and what not be there. That, But also, but Curb, I am so honored and lucky to be part of that. And I know that. And to work with a genius like Larry David, who I hope and pray has rubbed off on me to some degree. I will never stop doing that. But I will not be on the Goldbergs ever again after this season. Oh, wow. That's so no, I, I said I wouldn't say that. No, I will be. <laughs> but just know if, I am, if are, I am, I'm not working very much and I'm making a boatload of money. Good. Because that would be, and it would have to be a short order. Yeah. Like if they said, okay, we're going to give you, you do 13, you do eight, and that's it. Right. Uh, and they did what I want. Yeah, I'm in. I'm, here I am negotiating yeah, I was about on, to say, this, on the air. This is but, the, what, what the podcast is all about. I'm an old man. 
Okay. I mean, I'm 59. I'm not an old, old man. But everything is about joy. Yeah. And I get joy about what people get out of it, but it doesn't give me joy to do it. And Sony HR has been so weird with me. Every year I think, why are they bothering me? Yeah. The most recent time, a bunch of stuff. I I swear to God, I got in trouble. This is a whole other episode. But I got in <laughs> trouble, I swear to God, for singing this. Chim uh, chimney, chim chim, chim chim chiroo. Grandma threw her brassiere off. It landed at the zoo. Now, mind you, I sing, sing fourth grader stuff that I'm sure. making up, uh, or I'll stand up and I go, oh, my vagina. And they're like, you can't do that. And I'm like, who's offended? It's a comedy show. This is how I stand yeah. loose. But yeah, they, they, you can't do that. That's so and weird. And so um, they say, do it in your stand-up. We don't care. And I've already made fun of them in my last Netflix special, yeah. which I have to promote because Netflix doesn't promote it. Yeah. It's called Our Man in Chicago. Please watch it. I'm, I'm very proud of it. Here's the best way I can say it. I, did, I accomplished everything in that special that I set out to do. And that rarely happens in any sort of artistic endeavor. Yeah. Um, I remember, so, Matt, when, when you filmed it, Matt being like, he destroyed Matt it. Edgar. Yeah, yeah, Matt Edgar. He said he destroyed it. It was But amazing. in the right way. Yeah. I did uh, yeah. Yeah. It worked for me. So but I um yeah, so the idea that every year I'm being told I can't be silly on this now by the way, gotta be respectful of people. Who the fuck is insulted by the word Brazier? Or uh, grandma in Brazier? Yeah. I mean that's I'm not even going grandma's titties are yeah. bingity bingity, which in itself is stupid. Yeah, it's still but silly. I, but I but I don't even do that. And I'm not mean to people through my comedy. Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah, that's bizarre. And and, 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 and I'm, t- I'm talking about this because it just happened last week. But they have nothing to worry about. I'm gonna do my part, but I gotta say it's all about the joy for me, and the joy yeah. has left the building on that. Whereas on Curb, if I'm not singing songs that are stupid, that, it, that a little kid, a sixth grader would sing, Larry David, the sound person, yeah. the uh, camera operator, uh, the costumer, doesn't matter who. Are you okay? Yeah, they're like, what's wrong with Jeff? What's wrong with you? You think I'm kidding? I haven't that heard a Brazier reference by the way, yet today. It's time for I haven't feel, felt well, and I'm not doing it. I don't do a lot of brassiere, but I always, when I was a kid, I loved the word brassiere and girdle and all that. But the, the, the point is, and by the way, I was on Wizards of Waverly Place, Disney, and I did all that stuff. I never, Disney, yeah. who would be, who always have been tight on that stuff. I have worked for every studio. Only Sony has come down hard on me. And by the way, if they have a trouble with this, I don't care, clearly. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. fire me, because then you got to pay me for the rest of the season. That's right. You know, yeah. um, go ahead and fire me, but it's an embarrassment. And I recommend no comedian ever works for Sony again. All right. That's my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a fair opinion. No other studio. If they're really bad about I've that stuff, I've never gotten in insane. trouble with any other studio. That's so weird, honestly. I just did a big movie with Margot Robbie and Brad Pitt, and I'm the 10th on the call sheet, you know, 10th yeah. person down. Um, and I did my stuff. The crew would thank me. Whatever your orientation was, whatever, yeah. they would say, you make it so fun You're bringing and joy. You bring in joy. Because yeah. that's why if I can't have joy, I'm out. I, I don't do things for the money. Right. Unless it's a short order on the Goldbergs. And um, I don't have to <laughs> so work that much. Consider that. Yeah, consider that. That's, <laughs> but I, I don't think it's going to happen. They're not even going to give a short order. Yeah. I'm here to announce the Goldbergs will probably cease to exist after this year. Yeah. Well, I'm not rooting for that, but it seems that yeah, way. Yeah. If, if it's not fun, what's the point? Well, honestly? that's my attitude about doing it. But I, I love those people so much that I wish them well. Yeah. Like, I'd want the show to continue. Right. And I want it to continue with me, but 
there'd be special rules. Yeah. Including being able to sing about a grandma's. You have to be able to be. Here. Here. It's and like, why, why would, why said grandma's you... balls once. And someone said, grandmas don't have balls. I heard something. <laughs> what? Yes. <laughs> That's why it's funny. That's, it was not, even if it's not funny, it's stupid. It keeps me loose. Yeah. It keeps you employed. Yeah. Because I do my best work. Ah. <laughs> By the way, what a joy to be here. Thank you for Rich, doing the podcast, man. I'm always going to be in your corner, man. I appreciate always. it. Always. I dig you. And I dig any funny comedian, too. Yeah. Uh, as long as you're a good person and you're an excellent person. Thank you. I've, uh, yeah, I just, yeah. It's rare. Good people and funny people are both rare. That combo, and You yeah, get the yeah. combo, Well, you're by like, the way, Whoa. I can respect somebody who's not that nice, but they're a great comedian. Sure. I don't have to hang out with them, but I can watch them and go whatever. And I can also respect somebody who's incredibly nice but terribly not funny. Yeah. I can respect them as a person, but get the fuck out of the store. Absolutely. Get the fuck out of, you know. Yeah, yeah, I agree. We, we've talked about it a couple of times where we're just like, why is this a thing? Why are these people I, a but, thing? But by the way, that has happened in comedy probably since comedy was sort of began its upward right. mobile. Once thing. there was more than like 100 the 50s, comics. Yeah. The Magnificent Mrs. Maisel yeah. era up. Yeah. By the way, you know what's something really weird? I am closer from when I started to the Magnificent Mrs. Maisel 50s era than I am to the current era. Well, when you like, say I'm you not st- even in the middle yeah. anymore. I'm more towards, you know, and I'm really influenced by, in a big way, comedians of the 70s. Okay. 70s and the 60s. I mean, from Lenny Bruce through, you know, George, what Lenny, George Carlin was. I have a picture on my wall in my office of Lenny Bruce being arrested and who's behind him. A young man who uh, loved Lenny, supported Lenny, like emotionally. George Carlin, a young George Carlin wow. before any fame. It's one of my favorite pictures. Yeah, you know? that's great. And Lenny Bruce did die for our sins. Yeah. And um, I hate to see us go down a path where our, our where handcuffs. People are trying to take it away, yep. yeah. Nope. And a lot of things Lenny Bruce said, I understand why they couldn't be said today, but they were insightful and thoughtful. But the words he used, people wouldn't have liked. Back then, they were more shocked at his swear words than his content. Yeah. And his content nowadays would scare a lot of people. Yeah, it's emotionally provoking and yeah. that's scary for a lot of yeah. people yeah and, and you know and prior that's my influence that stuff yeah. not uh nobody really from who started in let's say the 90s on although i respect a ton sure but you know yeah yeah you All get right. influenced early on but all right i'm going on. I, I appreciate it man oh, I'm thanks up for two doing minutes. it yeah yeah go, go. See you later. Thank, thank you guys you. thanks for listening check out rick ingram talks to strangers as well yeah. and uh you know keep listening to the comedy store podcast come see a show thank you guys Guys, Comedy Store Podcast is back. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Please leave us your negative and positive comments, mostly negative. You can follow me at Rick Ingram. I only accept positivity in my life. (laughs) The new Rick is here and EJ Kerrigan still with the negativity, but like and subscribe.